Jim, James, Tim. What's his name? I wrote it down. Jeff. <laughs> Please welcome Jeffrey Lord. Oh, this is for the Jeffrey this Lord is- show. Lord, really? I thought Jeffrey Lord was kind of like a real guy. How are you supposed to be a strong, thrilling, powerful warrior and lover with a name like this? It is like a weak ejaculation. <laughs> Jeff. The Lord is the gatekeeper of all music in Fort Worth. Oh, Jeffrey. If you don't love the Lord, you're F and F. Like, really, is this the level that you sung to, Lord? So I'm done with Jeffrey Lord. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome to the Funky Town Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Lord. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody have a seat. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Have a seat. Have a seat. All right, everybody. We have a big show for you this weekend. Super long one. Super long one. I just got off the phone with my guest. It was Matthew Broyles from The Matthew Show. Um, you know him as a local singer-songwriter around town. Um, he does stuff with his girlfriend, Trista Morris. She does art by Trista. I see her around doing art shows at Lola's and different things and um, boots at Arts Goggle and Lola's and different places like that. And so you'll know Matthew and Trista. Well, today we talked to Matthew. He just recently um, finished up and is putting out his rewired radio play. Um, he wrote a book back in 2016, I believe called rewired and he turned it into a radio drama, uh, for podcast listening pleasure. You can find it online, radio rewired play.com. And you can also go to you know iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or Bandcamp or YouTube, or wherever you like to listen to your stuff at, you can find it there. It's got a couple episodes out that come out every Wednesday, and so we talk a lot about it. Um, we talk a lot about a lot of things. Like I said, I was on the phone with him for about two hours. I like Matthew, and I like I like to talk, talk to him. He's got a good perspective on know, just music and life and art and all these kinds of things, and so we talk about all that kind of stuff. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I don't want to talk too much here um, because we have so much coming up that I don't want to overdo it. Um, talk a little bit about arts goggle that was yesterday we had a lot of fun at arts goggle was there with the wife all day long saw lots of you out there chilamundo played last night hint of the archer played last night both those shows i wanted to be at they both started at 10 we didn't get home until 11 30 so i missed the chilamundo show which is a reunion caleb was in town i got to see caleb yesterday talked to him for a little bit i did see denver talked to him for a little bit i saw richard Men of the archer got talked to him for a little bit um, richard was in town and so Chilamundo hadn't played together for five years. The, you know, with those four, with with Nick Tittle and um, Caleb and um, uh, Denver and and Neil, um, they haven't played together in like five years. You know, Caleb lives in Arkansas now, and so it was a big deal them playing last night. I really wanted to go to that show, and of course Richard lives in Colorado now, so he doesn't play that often. So I really wanted to go to that show. And me motor scooter played at midnight and. By midnight, I was in bed asleep. Sorry, you guys. I mean, I was beat after yesterday, but it was fun. And um, I did get to see as many bands as I wanted to see. I did walk down. I saw a little bit of J.O.E. I saw some J-Birds. I saw a little bit of Celestial L'Amour. Um, I saw this kid. I don't know how old he was. You know, I want to say he's 12, but if he's 14 or 15, he'd be insulted for me saying he's a 12-year-old. I don't know. He was young. 
a young boy playing acoustic guitar and he was doing covers. When I walked by, he was playing Poison. I'm always working, slaving every day. Gotta get away from the same old, same old. You know what I'm talking about? That don't need nothing but a good time. How can I resist? He's singing that song on his acoustic guitar, kind of countryfied, you know? And when you're walking up, you hear him singing, and you're like, oh, who's doing this? And you walk up and you see this young man playing, you know, and uh, I was like, whoa, everybody's standing around with their phones. And he played from two to six, so like four hours. And every time I walked by, he was playing. People were just sitting there. That kid was good. Anyways, yesterday was fun. Art Scoggle was fun. If I missed you and didn't see you, um, it's a shame. I saw lots of people yesterday. I gave up lots of little Funky Town podcast pins. So, and, uh, but today's another day. It's Sunday. I'm still pooped. Work tomorrow. So we're going to go ahead and get on with the show. Like I said, we're going to talk to Matthew from The Matthew Show. He's got tons of music out there um, under The Matthew Show on Bandcamp, tons of records. I pulled a song. um, It's called Texas is Trying to Kill Me. I meant to ask him about it. I don't know if it's new or what have you, but um, it's actually on Trista's YouTube page. And it's just Matthew with his acoustic guitar singing the song. And I was like, I like it. I like it a lot. So I'm going to play it. Texas is Trying to Kill Me by Matthew Broyles. And after that, we have the interview. Peace. Love y'all. Oh, 
Matthew Broyles, Jeffrey Lord. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Pretty good. I'm uh, I'm placating a cat right now. Uh, so there's there's a stray that wandered up and uh, screaming one night, and I let her in, and she popped out two little babies in my closet. So oh, uh, <laughs> so I guess I have a cat. <laughs> I think she have three cats. <laughs> yeah. So the problem is that she's still in the heat, so she's kind of yelling at the window right now. I haven't gotten to get her spade yet. We're going to do that in the month. So they pop, So how long ago did she pop out kitties? That was in August. Oh, okay. So uh, I thought it was like this week. I was like, Man, no, she- no, no. It was a while. But the, she's she's still in the heat. I yeah. Think. So she's and plus she's just restless. She just wants to go outside. Yeah. Let her out there because I see I see the dad out there. I know I know it's the dad because the babies look like him. Uh, and uh, so I think she would get predators within pretty short order. So I am. Mm-hmm. Keeping an eye on her. <laughs> that's that's been the prime adventure of my life in the last couple of months. But um, yeah, we have a a porch cat. Man, this cat's tough. It, he's been with us a few years. He was with us through that big freeze in February. Oh wow! Um, but he's fair, apparently, I think, like a house two doors down. I think they moved and just left their cat. Yeah, and I think that's what happened with her because she was clearly, I think, had been domesticated before. Mm-hmm. She was comfortable around people. Uh, but they didn't get her fixed, of course. So, yeah. Uh, now, now this one, he never wants to come in. We'll bring him in, and he just wants out. And so we just, yeah. He, she he, was. He just outside think, all the time. I figured it would be. I wasn't thinking clearly. I was like, oh well, when it gets cold, she might want to come in. But I didn't think about the fact that she wasn't fixed. So because yeah. I didn't know if she was fixed, I guess. 
and uh, there were more pressing reasons why she wanted to come in. Yeah, no, so. you need to keep her in at at this point, just not to you know have yeah. more out there. But now she's getting she's getting her operation on November first, and then she'll have a little recovery period from that, and then after that, then we might just let her out and see what she wants to do. That's cool. the little ones are little ones are cute though. The the boy cat particularly is he's very comfortable being a house cat. He uh. He just wants to eat food, snuggle with you. So, yeah. And then there's a little girl caddy too, who's she's a little more feisty, like her mom. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's kind of funny to watch them become little terrors. <laughs> yeah. No, I I always grew up with um, girl cats, but Diana. Yeah, always it's has, most of what I've had. Yeah, and Diana always has boy cats, and really, I think the bad rap that cats get about being bitchy and, and things like that mm-hmm. it's girl cats boy yes. cats are pretty cool they're, they're, that's the they're thing really about chill it. and kind of lap cats and things yeah, like that the the boy cats that i've had have tended to be more low-key yeah like right now you can hear her screaming back there because mm-hmm. she, she's in heat which is a whole other type of hell but uh yeah i had a the first cat i had as an adult was a female Maine Coon, and man she was she was kind of a terror Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was the only person in the world that she liked. Everyone else could just go to hell. You know, like she would just attack them and tell them to go away. And, and she particularly didn't like it when I brought women over to the house. Uh-huh. Uh, this was very territorial. And uh, none of my boy cats have been like that. <laughs> so Funny. It's, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of hilarious. Now, I think if I do end up keeping any of them, I might end up keeping this boy one. Cause right now he's just sleeping on the corner of the couch while I'm sitting here. He's very chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a, an inside cat. It's a boy cat. It's a orange mm-hmm. tabby. And, a yeah, see, I had an orange tabby before. Uh, and he was, he was a pretty good cat. He was wild though. He, he liked to go outside a lot. Uh, he's always trying to, but as soon as he gets outside, he, he gets scared and he runs and hides in the shed <laughs> and we have to go get him. It's like, just, I had a, I had another I had a male Maine Coon who was, I think he was like an attempt at a, at a, at a purebred, but he was cross-eyed and kind of inbred and mm-hmm. one of the dumbest cats I've ever had, but he was the sweetest thing too. And But he would, he'd try to put him out for a minute and he would just kind of stare at the outside and then turn back around. He didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> it's like, no, it's cool in here. I'm- yeah, I'll keep the air conditioning. <laughs> so I don't know what we're going to end up with with all this, but. It's it's an adventure. So are y'all recuperating from um, Arts Goggle? My gosh, yeah. So, yeah, I went and helped her set up in the morning, and we got all that rolling. Of course, it was a little hotter than last year. and uh, But then I had a show over at Jamel that evening, so I went to go do that and then came back and helped her tear down. But we ran into pretty much everybody we knew in the whole town, you know. I know. Uh, Somehow I missed y'all because I walked down there and I just – yeah, she was right in front of Avoca, uh, but it's hard, you know, like there's so many booths, like it's hard to catch everybody. It really is. Uh, I, I was telling Diana, I was, like, I, I was like, I walked up and down a couple of times and I go and I've seen everything, but there's no way I've seen everything. I go, because yeah, right. you can see all this stuff, but you're not comprehending everything you're seeing. No, it's not possible. And, you know, you just know that and just kind of take in what you can. Because I, yeah, I, just even today, you know, talk to people and like, oh, well, I didn't see it. I was like, well, yeah, because I'm looking at some did, of the pictures. I probably did see you, but didn't see you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was I'm looking at, at some of the photos and stuff, and it's like, oh, I, I missed that. How did I miss that? Or whatever. But, yeah. You know. It's, well, you know, rows and rows of white tents, uh, you know, plus food and dogs and stages, and, like, there's just a lot going on. It's hard for, 
your senses to assimilate. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it is fun. It's, and and yeah. it's, it's, I think it's kind of a testament to, you know, Fort Worth does have a very pretty robust creative community. And uh, thankfully we have outlets like that, you know, as opposed to something like the Main Street Arts Festival, which tends to mostly bring in outsiders. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of good to have a, it's kind of good to have a homegrown one. Yeah, and it's it and and, it uh, it's good that it's not like just two or three blocks, you know. It's like blocks yeah. and blocks. And it was twenty, twenty blocks. Yeah, and I and you know I'm old enough to remember the first few ones, you know, where it was very small, mm-hmm. and uh, just to kind of have watched it over the years grow and grow to into this thing, and that that it survived, shut down, and and kept going. Um, you know, I think that's a, I I think it's a testament to the fact that people around here want that sort of thing and uh will will support it uh so that's usually you know because we, we forget not ev- not everywhere has that right and so uh it's good to to have it and to be able to be part of it yeah this is the first and year it, um i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no 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 i'm just yammering oh, um usually i'll keep the boy and um yeah my wife and daughter will they'll go up there and set up the tent and then i'll go up there 12 one o'clock and hang out for you know two mm-hmm. two or three hours until he's just can't take no more and then i'll I'll bring him back home and then um yeah but this year we had nana watch him and so mm. i went up there with her and um helped unload and st- we, we were there at eight and i came yep. home a couple of times to let the dog out but other than that mm-hmm. i was there with her all day long um yeah i think it's we got home, yeah it it, it 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 totally is like man it's it's exhausting, but it went by really fast. <laughs> I mean, they're really it really did go by fast. Yeah. yeah, I think. Uh, oh, there's something out there she doesn't like. It's probably a raccoon. Oh, yeah, that's, that's raccoon. <laughs> yeah, so we have a possum. Yeah, see, and I like the. There's a possum that shows up on this little cinder block wall outside my place, and uh, he'll just kind of hang out there. And so I'll put little orange slices and stuff on the. On the wall, and he goes. And eats he them. takes them out of your hand. No, that's cool. Yeah, we have. Uh, it, he he comes up and eats whatever cat food the outside cat doesn't eat. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. That's what these raccoons are doing right now. She doesn't like them though. I think she might have had some altercations with them when she was living outside. But I don't know. They're kind of. We we have kind of a. It's weird because like I'm in the middle of town. Like I'm right across from the Dickies Arena, but. Right, I mean, it sounds like There's, you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're like in the city proper. Yeah, like I'm, know. I'm right, I'm right here off of Montgomery, but there's a whole lot of like possums, raccoons, squirrels, and you know, stray cats, and yeah, all kinds of critters out here. And so, it's yeah, I know it's funny. It sounds like I'm not in Weatherford or something. It does, you know, so, but yeah, but you're, <laughs> but you're Fort Worth proper, you know. Little did they know you were there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Trista picks on me because it's like. Like I'm a I'm a Disney princess, you know. All the little wildlife animals come up. Oh yeah, you you walk outside in the morning <laughs> singing a song. And... <laughs> I don't know. They just tend to gravitate. But uh, I think that's why this one knew that it, I was safe to to hit up in, in times of tragedy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she just ran <laughs> ran into the closet and bam, two kitties. But it's they, funny. We have this yeah, that hasn't happened here. Yeah, that was the other thing. I think this was her first batch uh, because uh, she she this look of shock on her face after she (laughs) 
first she was like, what the hell is this? And plus, uh, there, was, <laughs> there was only two. Isn't it usually more? You know, It's four, usually five, is. That's, yeah. yeah, and I think the younger ones, they have the smaller litters. Oh, okay. Um, she's pretty young, but um, but also she's a pretty small cat, so I think that's this part is, of it. Just, just as many as you can hold. Yeah, but I think also it was – I feel like it was her first batch because she seemed pretty dazzled by the whole thing. But her instincts kicked in pretty quickly. I mean, she started cleaning them off, and they nursed pretty much right away. So uh, she figured it out. Her instincts figured it out anyway, even if her what what whatever passes for a conscious mind in the cat took a while to. No, I know it's comprehend it. It's so interesting because I'm still, even at fifty plus years old, I'm still at at times just saying like i was i was watching a woodpecker on my mm-hmm. on my tree that day i heard a, i heard the noise i was in the backyard and i was looking for it and i was like oh there it is mm-hmm. i was watching this woodpecker and i was like man it's just it's so weird like we're the same beings as other mm-hmm. animals I mean, we're we're animals we're part of the animal yeah you know kingdom or whatever and we survive you know we, we find oh, yeah. shelter and water and you know and all, all that kind of stuff but um we have this extra thing that mm-hmm. that the we other, think about it yeah you know because like everything else just kind of go they just do what they do there is no good bad or yeah, anything they, it's just we just right it's very zen it's just we well just, that's why you know you can't like you can't get mad at a cat for eating a mouse because that's just what they do right mm-hmm. they don't they yeah. don't have a a moral dilemma with it you know and uh whereas we have to think to ourselves well should i be eating meat you know and uh you know and they just don't bother with that <laughs> right they're like there's food there's dinner <laughs> and you know it's sort of it's kind of one of those blessings and a curse you know i mean we we i mean we are the universe perceiving itself you know um because we have the ability to reflect and you know uh ponder on on the way things are but at the same time sometimes it puts us at a disadvantage because if you're like me you know, you spend half your time pontificating and then you look around and you're like, oh, crap, the rent's due, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you. Uh, I think sometimes the, the thinking about it for some of us is more absorbing than the actual doing it. Uh, and uh, finding that balance has always been one of the tricky things for me. Uh, but it's interesting. I, that's part of why I like kind of having animals around because they sort of do remind you to ground yourself a little bit, you know, uh, and you think you think all your highfalutin thoughts or whatever, but at the end of the day, kind of what you need is food, shelter, and, you know, uh, community, which is kind of what they seek out with people, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, I, I do that. I mean, I seek out community. I seek out, uh, you know, a lot of the same stuff the cats do, but just in a different way. Right. Well, that's what yesterday was. You know, that was exactly. Look, yeah. You know, just just kind of enjoying itself and all these. Right. It was kind of like and, the kind of like the gathering of the elephant herds. You know, and it's like you know, sort of, you know, uh, a communal thing, and, and uh, different different species do it different ways. Uh, but yeah, I've I've never. This is a lot of why I don't. I haven't ever bought into a lot of the whole human exceptionalism thing you know it's like yeah there are a lot of things that humans are better at than other animals but there are a lot of things that we're worse at than than other animals too uh you know really without our cleverness we're we're not well adapted to survival apart from the fact that we can generally come up with a way by hook and crook to get by uh 
whereas something like a cat, you know, is pretty well adapted to survive in pretty much almost any conditions, you know. Uh, and again, that thing where we ruminate and and uh, you know intellectualize things, I think sometimes you know, that's the world I live in, you know, in my head. But um, I think even sometimes other humans who don't do that sometimes just look at me weird, like, "What do you need all that for?" and uh i can't really get mad at him for it because i'm like well you know in the end it's probably just an (laughs) add-on but uh i like the side quests though that's my problem that's that's what happens whenever whenever i'm doing gaming you know i'm always like i always end up stuck in the side quests instead of doing the main plot (laughs) yeah no i i do that a lot too i get stuck on the side quest that's funny yeah yeah because it's just like it's like, okay, this is the thing you're supposed to focus on. It's like, yeah, but what about this? What's this over here? You know? And uh, that's one, one could almost say that my entire life has been a side quest. <laughs> I think a lot of people <laughs> could, say, could say that. And see, yeah. I, I think I find that so, like, we, what we like to play this game is called The Long Dark. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a game part, a story part that you can play, and it leads you a certain way. You have to go certain, you know, there's a whole mm-hmm. storyline. There's another aspect where the whole map is open, and it's just a survival game. So mm. it just drops you in. You have very minimal stuff, and then the weather's terrible. There's wolves. There's bears, mm-hmm. um, and then you have to go around and, and you find cabins and different buildings, and you look through them and you find clothes and a gun, bullets, and different things, mm-hmm. and hatchets so you can make firewood, keep warm. All this. So it it's super fun. But I've found that like if you start on the on the easy mode, it's, it's a lot of fun or whatever. But after a while, once you find everything, yeah, and, and you're just surviving. It's like it's, yeah. no, it's it's no longer fun. I like to look for right. stuff, <laughs> you know. It's like I really didn't mind dying because once you die, that's the end of your game. There is no go back to your last save point. Right. It's like you well, play, and think, you die, and then you just have to start all over again. And, and so, I think that's part of you know. I kind of learned that early on when I was I used to do some dungeon mastering when I was in junior high, and um, you know, you would buy the little modules and whatnot that would have a dungeon and a story and all that. But I usually diverged from those pretty quickly. Uh, cause I, my whole thing was, I liked the exploration and the adventure part of it. So mm-hmm. I would always, my campaigns would always go way far astray from what the original objective was supposed to be. And, uh, I've tended to do that with a lot of like, and, and my, my daughter's a little bit like that. Like she will, um, we used to be, really be into Minecraft, you know, and so she would have me playing Minecraft kind of on the same server. And, you know, we would always go off and do our odd little projects and not really concern ourselves with the, you know, a lot of the main, the main game, stuff. main game. It was always just like, I don't know, I'm going to see if I can build a city under this mountain or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's, I think that's probably, you know, probably a psychologist would have something to say about it, you know, but like, you know, well, that's what, what that I was means. thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's there's something you know to that your your personality type or whatever they say it is. Yeah, I think it is, and and I think it's also there's a a friend my friend Jeremy works. We talk about this that we we both have sort of oppositional defiant disorder where like we're just kind of we're just against things generally. Okay. <laughs> and so like if somebody says this is the way this is, you my first instinct, for the yeah. I'm already like, no, that can't be. Even if you agree with them. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, my first instinct is to reject it. And then sometimes later I go, okay, maybe that's right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's this weird thing that's in there. This immediately goes, oh, that must be bullshit. Uh, So I kind of do that with a lot of situations where if I'm presented with a, 
an objective or a piece of conventional wisdom, um, my first instinct is to challenge it. Uh, yeah. And so it, it can occasionally make for exasperating people, but sometimes it leads you down some interesting paths mm-hmm. and it can, it can lead you to reinvent the wheel a lot. <laughs> yeah, but also it, it can also keep you from a lot of bullshit and stuff too, because you're constantly yeah. questioning it and you're filtering out yeah. some of that stuff that you don't have to waste your time on. Yeah, I think so. And and I think I've managed to, there's a few cheat codes that are involved with that, you know, where you can, because there are, I have watched a lot of people my age, you know, for a couple of decades now chasing phantoms sort of, you know, I mean, chasing bits of things that they felt like they were supposed to do. And um, then kind of getting to the point where they've been doing it for a while and go, gosh, I actually don't even like this, you know, and realizing that maybe I just don't have to do this, you know, maybe I could just do something else. And mm-hmm. I've, I've always kind of been on that track for the most part, but even so, you know, there was stuff that I felt like I had to do as a musician, but then the more I got to doing it, I was like, well, I don't know if I actually have to do this. I can just do, you know, it's, it's like when I learned that I could just make records at home, you know, instead of having to spend shit tons of money on a studio, you mm-hmm. know, then I, I started thinking, why don't I just do that? You know, uh, that would make a whole lot more sense. And, um, that led me to doing a lot more stuff online and just kind of making things myself. And instead of having to like, people are always like, Oh, you got to go find a label and you got to find a promoter and all that. And, but my thing's like, I don't know why, you know, like if you, you could just make the stuff you want to make, uh, and if somebody likes it, great. And if they don't, fine. You know, uh, that kind of, I had that epiphany. I don't know if you know Little Jack Melody. He's a uh, artist out of Denton who kind of does a neo cabaret thing. But he was kind of my musical hero in the '90s. And he, uh, I was going off on some kind of thing because I, I was still stuck in that hole. Like you got to find a label, you got to find a manager, you got to find a, got to get the TCU Woo Girls out there, you know, and I was talking to him about it and he was like, you know, all I ever do is just make music I like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and it just kind of, but that hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, cause I was just like, well, that's actually why I got into this. Right. You know, it's just to make stuff I like and not have to worry about the angle on it. And, I, and of course, you know, you pay a commercial price for that, but, uh, at the same time, I feel like a lot of the, the wheel spinning that I did, during my twenties was because I was chasing stuff because people, that was just what you were supposed to do. Uh, you know, you're supposed to want to try to play frat parties and stuff like that. And, and I just didn't. Uh, and it took a while for me to kind of, you know, Miles Davis had the thing where it you know, takes, sure does take a long time for you to sound like yourself, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and that, that has been the case for me really to try to figure out, you know, how to get rid of all the things that you felt like you had to do and just replace them with the stuff that you actually want to do. Um, and hope that when you do that, there are people who are interested enough in it to enable you to keep doing it. Right. Which, you know, that's always the crapshoot. Yeah. Cause there is, I mean, yeah. there is the, um, the honesty portion there, there are people who like authentic things that's true and honest yeah. and coming from a, and there's definitely a market for that, you know, um, there is. there's also I mean, there's a, a market for people who 
fake that <laughs> people yeah, want to buy that for, fake honesty oh yeah there's there's a market for the trend chasers you know i mean there are people who've made whole careers out of chasing trends and and uh i used to get really mad at those people but really if if that makes them happy and it makes their audiences happy i can't really get pissed at them you know um you know but i just know that that's not my audience right you know i mean the people who tend to appreciate what i do they like that i do it in with complete indifference as to what the culture at large is doing you know like when <laughs> it was a guy who reviewed that last apu the destroyer record that we put out a couple years ago you know and he was like you know this is really good but i don't know that there's a big market for like uh you know mystical political concept albums these days <laughs> right it's <laughs> like well probably not but that's what i wanted to make so that's just what you get but, but that's that's the funny thing that i get a lot is people like wow you know i really like what you do I, but there's no market for it at all you know but i think a lot of people think that because they don't think of themselves as a market you know and they don't think of the weirdos that are out there mm -hmm. as being people who are actively search because i do that you know I, I go searching around for weird shit and um when i find it like i grab onto it for dear life you know i've, I've been getting into cheek face which is this really great band um <laughs> They're like this perfect cross between they might be giants and cake. And, really? Uh, yeah, they're, they're freaking great. I managed to see them at Tulips, and um, man, just just and they're they're all like freaking you know twenty two, twenty three years old, whatever. And but like have this real wry sense of humor and and very very melodic sense <laughs> sensibility. And uh, but they're not on you know they're not on radio. They're not on freaking you know the main channels right you know like you have to hunt them down and a lot of the newer bands that i'm into is that's pretty much the case you know you kind of have to find them in amongst all of the the flotsam of the of the internet and there is uh, so much gosh days, it's it's, it's intimidating and, and especially as someone who creates you know when you put your when you put your record out <sighs> how many other records are being released at that second, you know? Um, so that, that whole DIY thing, which of course, Gen X, you know, that's like our thing. Um, it's now to the point where DIY is, is at least, you know, 80 to 90% of what there is. And, uh, but because of that low cost of entry, um, everybody does it. And so right. it takes, it takes a while to filter through the ones that are, because even even if you're making a record yourself, a lot of times people will make a record themselves, but they still try to make it sound like the major label people. People, you know, like oh well, I want this to sound like you know, uh, Dua Lipa or whatever. Right, you just and, kind of mimic the same kind of production yeah. tricks and stuff that the yeah the big instead of yeah. But to me, I would rather have somebody do something weird, uh, you know that that doesn't that that does sound independent. You know, there was a record. Uh, a few years, I say a few years ago, hell, it was probably 15 years ago, Rosie Thomas called These Friends of Mine, and she had been on a major label and had been doing it like the standard way. But then she made this record with Suffian Stevens uh, in his kitchen, basically. And so, and it sounds like it was made in a kitchen. Um, and it sounds great. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like it sounds, it's got a really homey, you know, personalized feel to it. 
that you wouldn't have had if you were in a, a big studio. And, you know, I, I love when people do that. Yeah, I heard about a character named, uh, he went by um, Iron and Wine. Yeah, 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 Sandine, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, he, at least a couple records that I heard, um, he, he was making it on in his house, like on a four yeah, track or something. It on, yeah, he was making it on a little cassette recorder. Yeah, yeah, but it sounded great. You could hear his dog kind of walking in the background or scratching or whatever. And, and that's that's yeah. very much from like the Tom Waits school of like you know because he records in the in that barn out at his place, and you'll occasionally hear a rooster or you know some kind of like it's just whatever whatever the universe wanted to sh- to do during that track is just what's going to happen you know <laughs> well and that makes it feel like you're there with them yeah at least i always and, thought and that I, was the point was you know you're here with us yeah and i've I've always one of my uh one of the records that kind of made me want to have those sorts of elements with my buddy paul who's my partner in Apu, he uh put out a record called the coffee cellar and what he did it was this place in state college pennsylvania that he was kind of stuck in for a while but he would go down to the this place called the coffee cellar every day and just record people talking. And, uh, eventually he found enough interesting sections that he put them to music and had these little soundtracks behind these, these little conversations. And it really puts you in to this, like this place and time, you know, That's cool. and this was at a time that I, uh, I was fortunate enough at the Met, I was living in New York at the time. And at the Met, they had an exhibit of these, um, photo monographs by like Walker Evans and uh, who the hell is that guy? Um, anyway, there's, there's, there are people who did photo monographs in the mid 20th century where it was kind of a storytelling device of these photos in succession in succession. And um, it, it captured this moment that it's, you know, it's never going to happen again. You know, mm-hmm. um, they talk about, um, was a true foe, you know, talking about the thing where like the holy moment, you know, like every moment captured on, on a camera lens, that moment's never going to happen again. So that, you know, it's, it's sacred just by its existence. And I tend to feel like that happens in a recording studio too. You know, you're, you're, or at your house or wherever you're doing it. It's like that take and that performance, that's a snapshot of a moment in time. That's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, that's part of why I think it's important to record these things. You know, Sonny Rollins had a thing where it was like, jazz should never be recorded. You know, if you weren't at the gig, you missed it, you know? And, you know, I respect that position, but I also think that for those of us who want a window into the past, I mean, that's why you have things like books, you know, like if you want to get in the mind of Voltaire, uh, you know, hundreds of years later, you can do it, you know, uh, even though he's been long dead. Right. You know, I think that there's, something to be said for things uh being documented and capturing that moment for posterity and and even if you know it's not something that has millions of people who ever see it or hear it sometimes those very intimate things i you know that first off record was was uh was written on as a we did off this HP Lovecraft short story called the silver key. And, um, it was not a story that most Lovecraft fans even knew. It's a very short kind of introspective piece, but it talked about kind of just, it was sort of a midlife crisis piece, you know, of like, I've lost the key to gate to the gate of the dreams. You know, how, how am I supposed to, you know, where do I get the magic back? 
and I was at that point in my life too, where I was trying to figure out where, where to, how to, how to find the magic again. And, um, that felt like a very personal conversation between me and, and Howard, you know, even though he'd been dead for yeah. a while. And, um, even again, even if it's just a very small number of people that that reaches, I've had people tell me that things that I've created have been there in moments when they needed it. And, uh, that to me is really kind of all the incentive I need to just keep putting them out there. That's cool. Cause you don't ever know. You know? Yeah, and, well, and most of uh, most of the people who who have liked what I do, I probably will never hear it. You know, I, I probably won't ever talk to them. Mm-hmm. But it's cool when I can. No, because I was I, I was going to ask you if you ever get when you work on something for a while, you're really excited about it, and then you okay. put it out there, and it's just like <laughs> right, you, like hardly anybody listens to it. There's just yes. no, you know, and you're just like, oh. and you were just like, why am I? Well, why bother? Or you're just, oh, absolutely. Are you just like, are you just you know, like, well, that's what I was I was feeling, so I'm going to put put it out there, and if it if it resonates, I'm, great. If not, whatever, you know. Yeah, I'm closer to that second one now. Uh, pro- you know, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, I was much more closer to the first one, where mm-hmm. you know, I would get that way, where I'm like. Get, you know, why am I doing this? Because I would put it out and yeah, it, w- it would be, you know, the same hundred to 200 people that usually buy anything I put out and, and that's fine. But, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of reach beyond that. And, but then I would really, I would think about it and I would go, okay, well, I'm just going to not do it then. But then the more I didn't do it, the more I got all stove up and, and like, I realized that the doing it is actually the thing. Right. Um, you know, if I don't do it, there there was somebody who posted a meme a while back that was like, I make things because if I don't, I'm sad, you know? Sure. Okay. And it's very simple, that, but yeah. <laughs> and so, and I think about, it's kind of a family tradition. You know, my, my granddad used to make stained glass pieces and he never sold them. He just liked making them. And so he would make these stained glass pieces and just give them to people that, you know, were friends of his. And I ended up with two of them when he died. And, um, you know, you can tell that it was just something he just, he just wanted to do. Yeah. And, uh, that by itself should be a perfectly good motivation, uh, to do something. I think we've kind of got it skewed in this kind of celebrity culture we have. And especially, you know, I grew up in the 80s when everyone was supposed to grow up and try to be a rock star or whatever, you know, and, and um, you know, you, your definition of success is kind of set by other people. Um, and it's not until you really are kind of honest with yourself and you're kind of like, well, sure, yeah, it would be great to be, you know, super famous and all that. But is that really why you're doing it? Because a lot of the people who started with the intention of doing that and then it didn't happen for them they just stopped. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, there's lots of people who, Oh yeah, I was in a band, you know, and then we didn't make it. And so I just don't play music anymore, which is, I can't even fathom that. <laughs> like, you know, I played music and then, you know, didn't become famous. And then I just keep playing music because that's just the thing that I do. And, and if I don't do that, then I'm not myself. Um, because I have, done the thing where like that's it i'm quitting and then it maybe lasts a couple weeks you know and then i start tinkering because it's it's a thing it's not a thing that i 
do. It's a thing that I am. Yeah. You know, okay. it's a thing that's in there and, and the very, and very much the same. So I, I thought for a while I was like, Oh, I'm going to transition. I'm instead of being a musician, I'm going to be a writer. Right. So I started writing novels and, but in the, but I was still playing shows and, what I found was that that also provides a lot of satisfaction and of a different sort, but it's not going to replace music. It's just going to be another thing that I do. Right. And, um, in the same way that sometimes I'll sit in on guitar with somebody or I'll produce a, a, you know, a EP or something for somebody like it's not, it's not a thing that, okay, now I'm this, you know, it's like, no, you're still the thing you were before. You just are also, it's kind of like people who you'd be like, oh, well, I only paint in oils, you know, it's like, well, but you could also do, you could do charcoal, you could do you watercolor. Know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different media you could, yeah. you could, you know, I don't think it says anything about you. In fact, if a friend of mine describes me as a polymath, which I always liked that word, you know, um, of just somebody who I, I, I like Sting's word for it, which is gadfly, (laughs) (laughs) which is just, there's so many things that are fun to do that. Why would you just do one of them? If you have the ability to do more of them. So. And I guess, I I guess the argument is, you know, Jack of all trades, master. of Yeah, right. Exactly. No. And, 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 you know, there's probably some truth to that. I think so too, but it doesn't mean that you, I, I don't know what I would rather be. I might would rather just be a jack of all trades. Well, and my thing is too, it's like you do for me, at least I have to switch gears or I get stuck. So if I'm working on, so for instance, there's, there's a reason why I started working on the radio play right after I'd finished an album because I had been working on an album, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of tired of working on albums. So let's do something else, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the same reason. So I, I kind of got burned out back in like 2013, 2014. I was like, man, just gig record, gig record. And I was like, ah, you know, it's like this hamster wheel. And so I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to write a book and, you know, you know, still do gigs on the weekends, but I'm not going to worry about putting out music for a while. And that was good for me. That ended up helping my music because, it exercised different muscles. Um, and so when I did return to writing songs, I added actually a little bit more of a kind of a cinematic quality to them. Okay. You know? uh, so these, some of these newer songs that I'm writing now, which the next thing that I'm doing after this, after this radio play is I'm, I'm working on the new album and, and it's going to very much be a more, uh, a little closer to like my, my second album, February, was very much a sort of a cinematic record. But I also didn't really have as many tools to make it that way at the time. But I feel like this time I have a few more tools to, to make it a little closer to what I want. So I'm going to try that. Yes. Um, One thing I wanted to do, and when I thought of it, it was an original idea, but when I re-researched Isn't that it. always the case? Yeah, but when but on, but when I researched this, like I, w- I wouldn't be the first person that's ever done it. I think Michael Nesmith from The Monkees did it, and maybe Neil Young. But mm. I thought it'd be it'd be really cool to write a book, and then you have a record that you make yeah. that goes with it's the soundtrack for 
for the yeah, book. Yeah, Neil Young did that, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so like, if you listen to it just on its own, it sounds great. It's just a record, and there's different stories right. with different people in it. It's whatever, whatever. But if you listen to if, if you read the book, mm-hmm. and it doesn't explain the songs, it's just, you're like, oh, these songs are about these people in these books yeah. and their experience. They totally go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think it's, there was, you know, yeah, I still think that's a, a really cool I, no, there's idea. nothing wrong. Well, oh, because, yeah. who, you know, even, even if it's been done, it hasn't been done much. No, like two, uh, maybe two people have done it as far yeah. as like that I know the of. One, the one that's my favorite is uh, Mark Danileski was an author who put out a book called House of Leaves years ago, and his sister was the musician Poe, um, and she did an album that was kind of an, a companion piece to mm-hmm. his book. And that's a really good combo too. Yeah, which is cool too. Like you're just playing it as you're reading. Like whenever you read this book, just, yeah, exactly, just play it. Right, it's just you kind know. of the background music for the. Well, and it's funny because uh, so so Rewired started out as a novel, and because a lot of people, including me, have a hard time finding time to read these days, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of calls for me to do an audio book, and so I started. But then I was like, God, this is just me talking for hours. And I thought, you know, why can't we have some other people come in, you know, and just provide just a variety of voices? And that's kind of how that got started. But I but I'm I'm not presenting it as a alternative to the book so much as a companion piece, because you're going to get something different from reading it than you're going to get from listening to it. And you know, because there's there's things like that. Like I did that recently with uh, I don't know if you ever read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, it's been a long time. Yeah, and it had been a long time for me too. And so I, I found the I found a really good audiobook version of it and listening to it, and I got something different out of hearing it than I did out of reading it. Um, there's there's just different nodes being activated, I guess, and mm-hmm. also just different delivery. You know the 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 way that the guy was delivering the 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 piece some of the way that he was putting emphasis on things were ways that i wouldn't have thought of right in your yeah yeah so and again who knows if that's the uh uh, definitive way to to read those things but it was it was a different experience so and i did have to rewrite some stuff because um there were some parts like I'd I'd written this section with a Jamaican couple in it because I was living in New York for a while and uh, based it off a couple that I met up there. Well, you can't find Jamaican people around here. Okay, <laughs> not, sure, not easily. So I I rewrote it to you know to be a little more general, you know, and you know there there's some things that you just kind of have to do for brevity or or for you know you read things differently than you than you. Uh, hear them sometimes you know uh harrison ford always talks about when he was doing the first star wars movie you know lucas had written all these very convoluted word you know lines for them to read and he was like man you know you can read this stuff but you can't say it and so like they had to adapt some of these lines so that they could actually say them in a way that didn't sound like a robot you know and Mm -hmm. and and i noticed that when i got into to do this thing i was like god that line doesn't work at all when you're trying to read it uh, you know in a in a theatrical sense yeah that's and interesting so, okay yeah so like it, it it's fine when you're just reading it on the page uh 
but probably even some, is there because like there's like a poetic you know there's a to yeah it, and, there's poetry and, to it so you you write with a little bit more flair and you may not talk that way there may be some people but if someone talks well, the way a book is written they're usually yeah, a little strange it does know? sound weird doesn't it yeah, yeah it sounds weird when they when they speak that way and and i've thought about this because there's uh probably a reason why things like shakespeare's sonnets have lasted as long as they have because they were they were written to be read aloud. And um, I think when you have that in mind from the get-go, because a lot of poets, they don't write with the, the intent of them being read aloud as their primary thing. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, But I think things that are written with that, like a screenplay, um, you know, it is it is easier to read. Um, and and I, I found that when I was adapting it, that you you do have to adapt language to various purposes um and i don't necessarily think that means that a more novelized form of writing is bad it just means that it's it has its place oh yeah sure if you're just if you're just you know i wouldn't necessarily want to you know read a lot of tolkien aloud you know for instance like you know i mean as as it is in the books because it's very ponderous and and you know uh a lot of it's very tongue-tying, um, but but the way that Peter Jackson adapted it, you know, like it, it it it's still formal, but also accessible, you know. And uh, I think that there's there's a place for both of those approaches. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I was I was wondering. You took a book that you wrote from 2016 and you turned yes. it into like a radio play. So I was wondering if, if you had to make much changes to it or if you're just like, here's the script and you handed them well, a book or whatever. You know. Kind of half and half. Like, um, It's not that different. Um, it's mostly just in the nuances. So there's sections in the book where it will be describing a person doing a thing. And so I would go, well, instead of describing it, why don't we just have them what what can we do in an auditory way to make it clear that that's what they're doing okay sure and so instead of like he fumbled with the keys right well let's just have a sound of somebody fumbling with the keys you know um and so yeah you do but you do have a narrator that does yes i'm the narrator in it and um uh, there's some things you just have to narrate you mm -hmm. know like especially because nobody's seeing this stuff right so you're like you know when they're approaching you know uh, a body of water or they're you know watching Statue of Liberty go by, you have to describe those things because, uh, yeah, you can't. And that's part of what I love about, so I grew up uh, out in Weatherford. We had, the library out there had cassettes of these old radio shows from the 30s and 40s and uh, stuff like The Shadow and uh, Lights Out and Jack Benny and things like that. And I was always kind of fascinated by the way that those programs would create a mood with no visuals, you know? And, um, so that was something I always kind of had in the back of my head that that might be interesting to mess, mess with at some point. And when I got to thinking about the audiobook for this thing, I was like, let's not make it an audiobook. Let's make it a freaking like a radio show, you know? And because that's an aesthetic, that I that I know, and it's an aesthetic that I feel like the story lends itself to. And fortunately, I was able to call Paul to do a a theme uh, 
music for it that was very i was like just make it like you were gonna hear Orson wells you know reading over the the end of it right you know like have it be kind of a noirish sound but also since it's a sci-fi thing kind of you know put a little modern thing on it and he he caught that mix perfectly i, I feel like in, in the, the theme music that he made for it but then coming off of that you then have sound effects to kind of augment the mood that you're you're trying to create you know and some of the sound effects i created myself okay some of them uh youtube is fantastic for looking up copyright free sound effects mm-hmm. and see I was, um, one, I was wondering if you'd gotten some of the music from from youtube but I'm, I'm glad to know that it was like yeah the, the uh just for the show is, is particularly oh for yeah the show. yeah yeah, because I, I knew so Paul makes these uh, steampunk operas and stuff. So I knew he had the capability to make kind of a very cinematic, you know, noirish type of soundtrack, and and so he yeah he delivered on that. That's perfect because um, it opens up I with do, the music and it closes with the music, and it's now once yeah. you get that, once you hear it, it's like okay, this is the soundtrack for the show. So whenever you hear that yeah. that song start, it's like the show's coming on. You know, it's well that, yeah, and it's. I loved that when I would listen to those because it was really cool the way that I, God, I wish I could get a hold of some of these now because I, mean, I, I did dub some of them back in the day, but sometimes they would have uh, bef- some of the before chatter from before the program started uh, on the tapes. And so it would be, you know, somebody selling a particular brand of flower or, you know, oh, okay. sure, pimping sure. an event. Of, and, then, and then you would hear the theme music. And yeah, it was that moment where you're like, "Oh, this is it, right?" You're like it's you know, we're we're here, and I can imagine people sitting around their radios, you know, and then they hear the the signature tone, you know, and and uh, just kind of settling in for it. I I think about that like our attention span now, right? Like just being able to just sit and listen. Um, because I know that's not what people are doing with this, right? Uh, no, like I know. Yeah. I know that they're doing it while they're doing other things uh, because that's how I consume stuff. You know, right. like I, I have, I have kind of some date entry stuff on and my day job. And so that's when I will put on, you know, a, a podcast or an audio drama or something because I can zone out and, and, you know, I'm most of my conscious mind is paying attention to the, the program, but you know, for me to just sit and listen is such a rare thing. And I absolutely hate that. Because uh, <laughs> I remember, you know, even in the 80s, like, you know, when Dr. Demento was on on Sunday nights, just everything stopped. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I was just going to sit and I was going to listen and I was going to record. But you had very few then, alternatives as far as like, yeah, you, exactly. you were a yeah, kid. Because no I, I was I a kid. I couldn't check Facebook, right? You know, like, you well, know, it wasn't I even, wasn't, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't even that, but you were a kid. So you couldn't go like just leave your house and, and hang out with your friends or go to exactly, the bar and look right. for girls or whatever. You were at home. Right. And yeah, you, yeah, that's right. That's where only, I was. You only had so many channels on the radio or on the TV, you know? Yeah. And so that's just you found because i listened to the same show i love that show Um, oh yeah but yeah it's because you know we're now as an adult not only do you have many more options you got all these things that you have to do (laughs) oh absolutely yeah i got yeah 
I got to work. I got to. Yeah. We're just sitting around listening to Dr. Demento is a luxury. Right. Exactly. And it sucks because, well, actually it doesn't suck. The one uh, you can find on YouTube, you can find like whole broadcasts of Dr. Demento from the eighties. And and I've gone back and listened to him. And what's funny, you know, you have the memory of childhood of being like, you know, all of it was awesome. And of course all of it was not awesome. You know, there was parts of it that were pretty, pretty bad, honestly, but, but then in amongst it, you had these moments of, you know, pretty brilliant, you know. Right. Uh, and it's the ones that you remember. I've never heard yeah. it again, but like they, uh, I heard a parody of the Beastie Boys. It was Girls. Girls in the Squirrels? Morning. Yeah, it was Squirrels. And it was genius, <laughs> man. It's like yeah. somebody called the ASPCA. We're going to have Squirrels to Flay. And it was just, God, oh, it was so great. And I'm like, yeah. You know, that's where I no, heard I love that from. That. Yeah. Squirrels. I love that. All I really want is Squirrels. Well, and that was exactly the thing that alienated me from my classmates was that that was the shit that I preferred, right? You know, because yeah, they yeah. were they they were all interested in you know what all that stuff was based on, but yeah, me, girls, I had all girls, dun, 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 right. dun, dun. Yeah. all they're really and interested took, is girls, <laughs> and all it it took me, God, it took me a long time to actually become a Beastie Boys fan because like I was once again with the oppositional thing, like you know if if it's popular, I'm immediately suspicious of it, yeah, uh, and so. You know, but but the thing about it is sometimes things are popular for a reason. Right. You know, sometimes it's because they're actually really well done. I know. And you know, years later, when I was in you know Fish Fry Bingo and Shotgun Friday, and we would cover Beastie Boys tunes, it was like, wow, these are really freaking great tunes. You know, um, but at the time, you know, that it seemed like, well, it's a popular thing, which means it's, it's there to be mocked. Which was why Weird Al Yankovic was my hero. Yeah. You know, uh, and still is really. I mean, you know, he that that guy has outlived and out performed a lot of his the people who he set out to, to parody back in the day but never with like a mean spirit though you know like he was not there to topple them he was there to just kind of poke fun at the culture i think a lot mm-hmm. of times and that was something that i that i respected then and, and respect now and also just the just the, the musical bit like his band they can play anything like I've, i saw him live a few years ago and I saw him. I saw him back in '96 at the Cosmiana, which was great. But then I saw him like two, three years ago, and it, and to me, it was an even better show because they had such a there's such a breadth of things that he has parodied over the years that he can do anything from a Madonna tune to a Nirvana tune to Julio. a freaking yeah, exactly. And and that and that band is just amazing. Michael Jackson, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah. There, there's something nostalgic to me about creating, even if that's not what people are doing, about creating something that sounds as if people are gathered around the radio listening to it. Um, that's why, you know, um, I, you know, I think about sometimes the 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 mood you're evoking sometimes is more important than even the content sometimes, you know, it's like if you were able to rap somebody, cause there's, there's songs that I like for that reason. Like maybe I don't connect with the message as much, but I like the, the world they're creating sonically sometimes is something that kind of wraps me up. Now it's even better if the, if the lyrical content does that too, but um, you can certainly set out to create a mood that um you know it evokes a particular uh feeling 
Man, I gotta tell you, that's why I liked the first two Smashing Pumpkins albums, Gish and Siamese Dream. Yeah, yeah, I they can't had, tell they you definitely that, had that. I can't tell you half of what they would say. I would just be like, oh, no, I, I have really, no idea what I really want to. I want to. I don't know what he's. I am one, no, and no. you are three, and it's like, I, yeah. I don't know what he's saying. I have no idea what any of the songs are no. about. But I well, love them I all. I crank them up. I, I mumble all the way through them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and it's hilarious too because there's a lot of records like that for me. You know that. Because, you know, back before you could Google the lyrics, uh, you were just kind of guessing. Yeah. Uh, And uh, Lord knows what the hell they were talking about. Uh, Well, and I think about that with men like Sigur Ross, you know. I mean, most people don't know what the hell is going on lyrically. Or Bjork, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of what people are looking for with that is is an aesthetic and just a, a thing that sounds like the way they want to feel. You know, Nick Hornby talks about that, you know, like, like how do i want to feel right now you know and you there, you can pick a record based on like trying to, to, to get to that feeling and uh sometimes it doesn't have anything now because i am a lyric oriented person it it does tend to matter to me what the lyrics are which is part of why you know like probably one of my favorite records in the world was the final cut by pink floyd because lyrically that thing is to me pristine um but also sometimes i'll put on something that like that first gin blossoms record you know like uh the lyrics are okay but the mood is something that's it's just melodic and you know got mm-hmm. a lot of energy and and um and i have a, a bit of a personal connection to that one because i later managed to make a record with the guy who produced it in the studio where they made it oh that's cool uh with john hampton so you know but but really, most of what the memory gives me is working in the records. I was working at Sound Warehouse down on South Hula when it came out, and it just kind of hit me right, you know. Um, that Tears for Fears record, Elemental, too, it was the same thing. Like, I was walking into the other Sound Warehouse, the one over on Camp Bowie one time, right after that came out, and uh, Fish Out of Water was, like, it just started up when I walked in, and something about it, just kind of just snapped my head to attention you know uh and there's those little magic moments like that you know that it's hard to replicate yeah um why a thing grabbed you the way it did um and why maybe it grabs somebody else but doesn't grab you you know uh i'm not the guy who believes that there's an objective measure of the quality of something because there are too many things that I like that other people don't understand why I like them. And there's other things that other people like, and I don't understand why sure. they like them, yeah, that's, that's way but is. I, yeah. but I can't tell them that it doesn't do something for them because clearly it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even like if it, I yeah. don't, even if I don't get it, um, you know, like the, the, the one right now to me is post Malone. You know, I don't understand post Malone at all. But the religious uh, freaking passion that people have for Post Malone, I'm just like, well, he's doing something for somebody. So uh, I tell you, man, I didn't get Post Malone either. I don't understand the the music necessarily as far as like, you know, he's a nice guy. I get that. But yeah, but but I've watched interviews that that he's done i watched him do like the little hot sauce thing the hot mm-hmm. ones or whatever where he sat there yeah, talking yeah. to that guy and dude he is the coolest i think oh, yeah. he is like the most genuinely awesome 
sweetheart, you know? Yeah, and, and I so, think that's part of why people like him. I think so, because like now, like I went and watched his Tiny Desk performance after watching all these mm-hmm. interviews and kind of liking him as a person. So I was okay, this, you know, I know a couple of songs. And I watched this, t- yeah. it was just him and an acoustic guitar and like a, an acoustic band or whatever doing mm-hmm. doing his songs. And it's like, I could hear, I could understand the lyrics. Um, it wasn't yeah, a weird hip hop thing. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it was like I, it, it was really good. I was like, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I kind of get it. You know, I'm still not gonna. I, I haven't gone out and bought a record or anything, but uh, I kind of get it. And if I had the opportunity to go see him play, I would probably have a blast. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's. I think he probably, probably puts on a good joke. Yeah, I bet he does. Oh, yeah. You know, but yeah, he's just really cool. I, I, I think that's just it. I think he's just this. Yeah, there's some there people, people there that like are just that. really cool and really nice, and it actually, I'm glad that it shines through and. They're not. Well, they're, they're popular because of it, not in spite of it. Well, yeah, and and I think that there, are, you know, everyone always sorts of sort of latches on to, you know, artists sometimes as much for their personality as as their music. You know, uh, I mean, think of somebody like David Bowie. You know, and I think a lot of people, even though they like Bowie's tunes, I think they like the idea of Bowie himself, right? Like they sure. kind of have a there's an aesthetic and a, and the kind of an attitude that comes with it in the same way that like something like, like the Ramones, you know, like there's a, there's a, a sort of a built in like attitude that's, that's there. And, um, I think sometimes because as a, as a, somebody who's, who's less focused on the personalities and more on the music, that sometimes that that'll irritate me sometimes because I'll be like, well, but you know, is the song any good? And um, in some cases, you know, th- that's not an issue. But um, because I'm, I think what happens to me is I, I'm I'm often a fan of people who maybe aren't nice people, <laughs> but they make really great music. Yeah, you know, you know it's, like Roger Waters is a complete asshole, but uh, he's a fucking fantastic lyricist. You know, and, and sure. so the guys from so, Oasis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, yeah, and a bunch of assholes, but like the really good tunes. They write really good tunes, but yeah, they're just complete jerks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, but I'm not going to hold that against them, right? Like I I'm very good at separating the art from the artist, you know, and and so when we talk about like you know, and then maybe a little controversial, but I'm like, you know, we talk about canceling people. I'm like, what are the tunes good, you know? Like like, you know, John Lennon used to beat his first wife, you know. Uh but I'm not going to throw away my Beatles records, you know. Uh you know, it's like there are and 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 from that perspective i guess i might say there's something of an objective (laughs) you know measure at least to me of like well is this if the song is good i don't really care who the fuck made it right um and but it's yeah it's better when they're also cool people it is better and i do find myself turning the channel whenever michael jackson comes on and i never really cared for r kelly anyway so that's not yeah that, that didn't hurt me at all but no, there, there's stuff like that. Like, uh, there's a Ryan Adams song that I cover, and you know, he's very problematic for a lot of reasons now, and and uh, I've debated not covering it, you know, uh, but it's just a really good song, so you yeah. kind of hate to not do it. Um, but that kind of, but well, it's but it's funny, like because you talk about, you know, if Lovecraft was on Twitter, I would have unfollowed him by now, right? You know, like. There are people who create something valuable artistically, but who just maybe aren't people you would want to be friends with. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a problem. I just think that, you know, what what, what are they? I mean, they're they're they are artists. They're there to create. Uh, 
things that, you know, resonate with them. And if they happen to resonate with you, maybe there's a little bit of you in them too, you know? Um, and, but it, I don't know, but it is, it's, I mean, it's a very tricky line, you know, cause I, it I, I guess it depends on what the offense is for one, you know, it is. And it's cause there's people, I, I haven't, and, and I think a lot yeah. of my stuff is, is a sexual stuff, but you know, cause I mean, it's like Woody sure. Allen. It's like, I watched some Woody Allen films and you know what? Oh yeah. yeah. They're generally funny. He's, they're really oh, yeah. pretty clever. And, um, and it's like, yeah, and yeah, I know that he's a, he's an annoying New York intellectual, whatever. Right. But, um, some of his stuff is really, really good, but I just, I don't watch him because, I don't like him. I don't watch Tom Cruise movies because I don't like him. <laughs> Mel Gibson, I don't watch him because I don't I like have him. Our, yeah, I do have our time with Mel Gibson. You know, well, but I one, love the Lethal that, Weapon, and I mean, there's been plenty oh, of Mel Gibson movies that I love, but I, I just I don't. Too. You know, so I, I, and it's no, not that I'm canceling them, but I don't know. There's so much out there that is good. I don't have a problem. Hard. I don't have a problem kind of doing away with some of the stuff that's, you know, like I was yeah, really I, bummed. I was really bummed that the guy from that '70s show turned out to be a rapist. Man, and he's going to jail, that you know? sucks. It's like I loved him. I loved that Hyde. sucks so hard. That was a great character. I and... loved the the actor Danny Masterson. I thought he was cool. Yeah. I wanted to be his friend. You know, right. to be one of my buddies. And mm-hmm. it's like now I can't watch that '70s show. I'm still going to watch reruns here and there, or whatever. I'm not going to yeah. never watch it again. But well, but I say yeah. that you know, and I tell you, the one that completely stuck a knife in my heart was Cosby. Yeah. Um, because that dude practically raised me, you know, and like he's, you know, Fat Albert and freaking I had all those records, you know. Sure, yeah, and, those comedy um, records. And yeah, and then a, just yeah. a Cosby show. We were kids, you know, and he was yeah, his dad. I mean, that was, that was like a huge, huge portion of my childhood. And then, you know, uh, I, I have flipped around on the odd occasion and found a Cosby show rerun and I can't watch it. Uh, and it, it sucks. Yeah. And I, and I've thought about, you know, I still have a lot of those Cosby records on it on vinyl. Um, and I've thought about putting them on, but I, I, yeah, it's, it's, and it's probably a little different with comedy than it is with music because with comedy, there has to be a certain amount of relatability. Um, yeah. But, and you're going to push the lines and all that kind of yeah. stuff, but it does make his jokes like Spanish Fly and things like that. Man, I can't. Yo, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and God, red flag. You know, like we should have seen that coming. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, God, it's it's so it's so crazy. Uh, and well, if uh, Garrison Keeler, right? You know, like his whole catalog has essentially been wiped from the internet uh, because of allegations. You know, and. Um, you know, it's like one of those things where, gosh, that was like, app, you know, freaking apple pie, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but when it comes to like bands like, say, like the Sex Pistols or stuff, when it, maybe it's like drugs well, and violence. Well, you kind of expect or whatever. It, yeah, yeah right, that's, you know? that's, that's when it was always different to me. Not the sexual abuse type right. things, but when it's just right. like heavy drugs, maybe even violence, fighting. Maybe sometimes sure. it's even women beating, which I don't agree with, you know. Right. But when there's drugs and alcohol involved, that's a lot of times as well, part just, of the mix. Just expect that. Yeah, you know what well, I mean? And so I was I was reading uh, Phil Collins's autobiography and he was talking about that like all the shit he got whenever he uh you know, it came out that he was cheating on his wife and you know and, and because it was like, you know, how many times had Rod Stewart done that and nobody cared? <laughs> you know? yeah. But but they thought of Phil differently. They mm-hmm. were like, Oh well he's you know, he's, he's like this nice guy. Yeah, you he's know? a straight edge kind of guy. Yeah, you know, but like you know, and he was like, you know, I'm not proud of it, but it's also like I feel like the response was a bit not proportional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But but that's the deal is that sometimes you know, rock stars are going to cheat on their wives. They're you know well, and and it sucks. You know, but it's also human. I think it's a it's about perception. It's about 
you know, um, what type of person do you think this, this person is? And when they run afoul of your perception of them, um, you know, it, it, it can, it can be disillusioning sometimes. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like sometimes, you know, people always feel like they, they want to get to know their heroes, you know, and sometimes I've met some of my heroes and, and some of them kind of lived up and some of them didn't, <laughs> you know, uh, not that they did bad things, just that just, we just didn't connect in person, you know, oh, we connected yeah. through, we connected through the art that they had made. Uh, but just sitting there talking, maybe we weren't pals, you know, or couldn't, weren't going to be pals, you know? Uh, and, I think that that's just that's part of it because the when you put forth a song or a book or something, yes, you're putting forth your authentic self, but you're only putting forth a piece of it. Uh, there's all this other stuff that's in you that is never going to make it to the page. That is, it's, it's for you and and your family and you know the, the people you have in your life, and it's for no one else. Um, and those aspects are not necessarily, you know, the same as, as the rest of what you put out there. And, and, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's just, you, you should kind of keep something in reserve, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and especially when you got all these people, you know, wanting to be part of your life. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had that something, you know, in as small potatoes as I am, I've had stalkers, you know, um, you know, I've had people who've kind of, they're always sort of suspiciously, you know, showing up on my, on my post threads and whatnot. And, and, you know, just a, a little, a little closer than, than You'd like your average person. And I think that ultimately what happens is they figure out that I'm just a person <laughs> and that, you know, whatever secret that they felt like I was hauling around with me wasn't actually all that uh, spectacular. It was just, you know, yeah, I make stuff that that you like, but I'm also just a dude. Yeah, so you know that's also like just a lot of times that that that's crushes. You know, like you have I don't know if you yeah, had, had like a crush on, oh, yeah. on on a girl, and then you get to meet oh, her, and you're like, oh, I mean, she's fine, but there's yeah, like, right. nothing that spectacular. Like I thought, I thought this girl, yeah, you know, whatever. Because well, you can build it up, you can build it up in your head, you know. Yeah, uh, and then uh, you're like, like, oh, she doesn't like half the stuff that I like, or whatever. You know, yeah. like, you start learning. All the, you're like, oh, this girl, she's not so great after all. I mean, she's cute, <laughs> right. but I mean, yeah, she's kind of boring. She's kind of dull. Yeah. You know, she don't like anything. No. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, the, I've absolutely had that. Sometimes yeah. the fantasy is just better. It is. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes you got to let the mystery be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and cause, but at the same time, you know, um, you don't, sometimes you don't know until you try either, you know? Like oh yeah. Because you meet, you meet like, Oh, you know what? She's actually better than what I thought. She's like into everything. Exactly. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. So you never know. Well, I had, yeah. I mean, and I've had that happen where I've been like, Oh, okay. I didn't actually expect that bit of connection there, but there it is. You know? mm -hmm. So, and it, it's, and really, just even in a non-romantic sense, you know, sometimes if you're wanting to work with somebody, and I got that chance, you know, working on the radio play because I, I got some of these people in that I was frankly shocked that they said yes anyway, you know, uh, because they kind of on on the sort of local celebrity list, they're you know a rung or two higher than I am, and but um, but I was offering them a chance to do something that they don't normally do, and and kind of would be interesting. And so, you know, I found that there was some, 
definitely some connections with people who that I wasn't expecting um, and some uh, sort of deepening of, of relationships that that you know was was a good thing um, but but again I didn't set out to do that but yeah and I um, think I think it's cool I was looking to like some of the cast lists and stuff I, and um, yeah it was like Levi Ray is one of them yeah. Ke- Keegan McEnroe mm-hmm. um, Stephen Prigmore yeah, um, I know Trista's in there. Yeah, Mana's in there. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like you know, these are the ones that I know, and there, there's a bunch of people that I don't know. Um, yeah, and there were just, some. Yeah, and, and some of them were people that I didn't know either, because uh, I just kind of put out a general call, uh-huh. and then some folks would forward it to people that they knew, and and so I got calls from folks who I didn't know, but who were just into uh, doing that kind of thing. Yeah, they yeah, a chance to and, do it. and I got. There was one girl from she, the only international one that I have is from the UK, Kira Murray Summers, and she uh, was somebody who was in a lot of Paul's little steampunk musicals, and so um, I got her in on it. But most of them were from DFW, but there was a few that were from out of state um, that just flew their parts in, and uh, the, kind of some reconnections too. Like Dan Herman was one he. He's got this show called Radio Crystal Blue. That's a was a podcast kind of when podcasts weren't cool uh, back in the day, and um, has been running for years and years and years. And and so we kind of reconnected, and I had him do a part on that. He's out in Philly, but um, and then my cousin Petra Wright, she lives out in L.A. and she does she she's like a professional voiceover person. She mm. because she's bilingual, she does the German dubbing for Hollywood movies. So nice. If if you ever flip over to the German <laughs> dubbing on any major Hollywood blockbuster, there's a good chance that if there's a woman character, she's she probably voicing it. it. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, she just kind of wanted to help me out and liked the part. But but what's cool is I think it was Jeff Goldblum who was saying, you know, most musicians are frustrated actors, and most actors are frustrated musicians, and. Uh, I've definitely found that to be the case with this one because yeah. there were a lot of these people, uh, a lot of these people who were definitely flexing acting muscles that they had been wanting to use. Yeah, uh, like Ke- Keegan was one who, like, he really leaned into it. You know, once well, we dude, he it has out. a great voice. He does. He has Anyways, really good... he's got a nice low baritone. baritone yeah, kind of, I don't know. It's low voice, and and, and that's like... what I that's what I picked up on when I talked to him originally, mm-hmm. and. um and we were talking about the part and he was like, so to me in my head, it sounds like this guy is a combination of like Sam Elliott and Tom Waits. Sure. And I was like, yeah, do that. So, you know, he did that, but it still was kind of Keegan though. Uh-huh. Right. You know, like it was still him. Well, and, cause like uh, I, on the trailer, I, it's, yeah. I, I heard his voice and I was like, that's Keegan. I know that's Keegan. Oh yeah. 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 I picked it out real quick, you know? Yeah. And he's, and, and Levi too, like he's very, He's got this sort of, uh, it, he's got the same sort of neurosis that I do with when speaking, you know, like he's kind of, he's, he's both confident, but also sort of self-conscious, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that character, Harry is very much that sort, like he's, he's smart and, you know, he knows a lot of stuff, but he's also just like real self-conscious and it's just like, you know, the world is still kind of confusing to him on some levels. And so the combination of him and, and uh, I got Reed Perry to do his dad, um, who's very much like a straight 
kind of fuck them all military type uh-huh. and uh, the 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 clash between them as they're trying to to do this cross country trip is is a uh, I, th- I think they provide the right amount of tension and Mana was was a, a nice surprise too. Uh, she has this. I mean, she has great voice anyway, but um, the the level of like authority that she brought to it, um, this this scientist, uh, was very. Uh, I, I was very impressed with it. Cool. But there's really, I, I mean, there weren't any bad performances. That was great. It's like part of you know this little thing in the back of my head was like, oh, you know, some of these I'm probably going to have to clean up later. But I really didn't, you know, like I, I, once I put in the proper atmosphere, you know, get, get the right sound effects, get the right mood set. Well, that's important. Yeah. And and some of it's the editing too. So, you know, none of these people were in the same room while they were reading their lines, right? They were reading them opposite me. And so when I would get the sound clips and put them, you know, be like, okay, here's, you know, Keegan is talking to you know, Ed, Ed Rogers, you know, I mean, where their characters are. And sometimes just a second or two of difference from when one line finishes and the next line starts, if you just scooch it just a little bit, it makes the difference between whether it sounds like they're in the same room or they're not. Mm -hmm. And and if you add like a room reverb or something to where it, you know, they're in the same space. It, it was it was easier because most of them were recorded on the same microphone in the same room, you know, in my in my apartment. But um, there's still the art of making it sound natural, uh, and it's helpful that they were reading opposite me because I was I was reading it in the way that I, you know, either someone before them had read it that way or it was the way that I pictured they were going to read it. So the the mood that they put across with their responses was matched was accurate, yeah. And and some of it too was just. You know, I said once I got a performance in in the can, I'd be like, okay, so I'm going to adapt my reading to to fit that. Uh, and I had to recast a couple of them. There were a couple of the characters that initially were people who I was less familiar with, and it ended up that they had other stuff that was conflicting. So we, I had to recast a couple of them, but really there was a lot less of that and more just, you know, as somebody who has a day job and has a kid and has a music career and, you know, it's, it just takes a while uh, to go through and cause I would get at least two takes of everybody. And then you'd have to go through and go, okay, which one of those is the better take? Um, and then put them with, you know, whoever they're reading opposite. And then sometimes you would go maybe objectively take one is better, but with what this other person is doing, take two actually fits better. Um, so there was a little bit of judgment call that came in with some of that too. And this took like two years. Yeah. I started the recordings in late 2021 and then, uh, yeah, really only started, have been having it be ready in the last couple of months. Uh, and, I, and mostly I just wanted to make sure that the whole, so it's 26 episodes and I'm releasing them, uh, every Wednesday for 26 weeks. So that's six months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's half a year. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that there weren't going to be gaps. Like I didn't want to get to be like, Oh, here's Wednesday. Well, I haven't finished this episode yet. Right. It's like, going to be two weeks, three weeks. A I don't want to be yeah. this guy. So, 
I was like, no, I'm going to finish all 26 episodes before I launch anything because I have had podcasts in the past where that was an issue. You know, they were, and people were like, well, where's the next episode? I'm like, I'm still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to put people through that. No, I, I mean, this I don't is, want, I don't want to put me through that. This, I, 26 episodes is huge. It's going to, you know, um, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> more than I thought it was, I'm expecting a it's big more story because like I've, I've listened to a few, I've totally f- forgot, but years ago, probably the first one I ever heard was like, welcome to Nightville. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And I listened for a while and I think I just stopped listening. It was just so absurd. It was very, well, of course it is. That's yeah. yeah. And so, but at times it was just hard to really get into. Um, well, it also doesn't really have an arc, you know? Like, yeah. It's it, just, it's just kind of, it's much more stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, it's very surreal. Uh, actually, the most satisfying thing I had with that, I went and saw him live at the Majestic uh, years ago, that'd be and cool. uh, that was fun. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool. because it was very as a one shot. It's pretty well, it's pretty good. But yeah, you know, you, you trail off after a while because it's sort of like it's kind of like um, The Simpsons. You know, it's like. I don't watch new Simpsons episodes <laughs> because, you know, uh, I, th- I think sometimes we just tend to let things run and not realize when they need to stop. Um, there's a, there's a Dawes song like talking about that, you know, like you're telling a story. Some, some, at some point you have to stop. Right. Because even though stories don't end, right. You know, the story does keep on going, but the, the operative part that you know you tune in at the beginning of it drops you in wherever that story begins and you know there were things that happened before that but this is where you're dropped in at and then at some point that yeah. bit of the story ends and then you know it keeps going after but you you're just not in on that part. right and i feel like sometimes as americans we we have this thing where it's like well what's the rest of it you know and you're like well that's that's what your imagination is for (laughs) yeah yeah sure (laughs) but they're like no i want to know what happens and you know and so we end up with these endless sequels and of course especially if it's paying if it's paying off for them to to make them uh you know there are a lot of times when i think we would have been perfectly fine just kind of with with an original star wars trilogy and that's it you know uh you know because that's i mean hell that's what fanfic was made for you know yeah um and to me, honestly, that would be probably the greatest thing that I can imagine as a as a uh, as validation would be if at some point somebody made some fanfic of some of my shit. <laughs> like, oh yeah, think, that would be, yeah, it'd be cool. You know, I think that would be great. It, it may already be happening. I don't know. You never know. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you know, somewhat spoiler. Alert, I mean, you know. When when that twenty sixth episode hits, that's the end of the story. You but know, it, like but it, not... it, it's good to know that you know what I mean. Yeah. Because it's because I think that it's going at least for me. Um, I get into these things and it's like that twenty six weeks. You know. Um, yeah. I mean that's a that's a journey. You spend a lot of time getting to know exactly. these people and the characters and where they're going, what they're doing, and right. It was a show I listened to last year, and it it had been out for a long time since like two thousand and fifteen. Mm-hmm. And they had over 100 ep- episodes. And um, mm. I started listening to it, and it's like, man, I was just loving it and loving it yeah. and loving it. And then um, I knew when when it it was 
recorded and there were some spaces, but I didn't ever see them because I'm listening to it after the fact. And some of it took place during COVID. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of times when they couldn't record and do things during COVID and it kind of almost mm-hmm. killed it. But when I got like to episode 88, it was like such a great ep- episode and they should have ended it right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, it, it could have been an ending. There wasn't. You don't know what happens, but that's what you use your imagination for. You have an idea what happens, but you're not quite sure. Right. It's like just. It, but I kept listening, and it's just it wasn't good anymore. They changed one of yeah. the characters out, which has a really strong voice, and the new girl doesn't have a strong voice. It's just like it wasn't. And then mm-hmm. I got like just over one hundred. I don't know how it ended. I never finished it, you know. And it was really yeah. unfortunate because it was the greatest audio drama that I'd ever heard. It was just so awesome, and I wish I would have stopped at eighty eight. I wish they would have stopped. At yeah, you know. Well, and, uh, it's, so, but it's it's good that there's yeah. an end, you know, because I don't think they had an end. I think they were just writing it. It's well, and that's the way it happens, you know. Yeah. It's, and it, it happens that way with TV series too, where they they go, okay, we're going to make season one, and you don't know if you're going to get season two. Okay, well then, are oh, we got approved for season two? Okay, well now let's write a season two, and we don't know if we're going to get approved for season three. So you yeah. kind of have to write it to be a standalone, like it to to just make it good enough on its own. And not really leave a lot hanging out because you might not get to finish it uh, if you do. And um, sometimes you can tell. (laughs) Sometimes you get to a really satisfying ending of a particular season. You go, wow, that was really great. And then the the, the studio goes, all right, we need another season. Well, you know. That was the end. We we used all of our material. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, it, uh, I don't. I'm not. I don't have anybody waving big wadges of money in front of me to do that. Right. So, I'm honestly, you know, I'm gonna end it where I'm gonna end it. No, and I, th- I think that's and, good. Uh, you know, but also I think that it's. I, I feel like it's also a disciplinary thing. It's like, yeah, I could just keep going, but I feel like that's the point at which you, you know, when it feels like a good place to fade out, you know, go ahead and fade out. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I have respect for any artist that does that, you know, who even career wise, you know, who just goes, <laughs> people make fun of him, but like Billy Joel, like, you know, he stopped writing original music, uh, in the mid nineties. And it's just like, you know, I wrote, I wrote the best stuff I'm ever going to write. I'm just going to play them now. Yeah. People <laughs> want to hear them anyways. <laughs> you know, if and, he, uh, even if he writes new, new stuff, yeah. someone's going to yell and play up tongue girl. Yeah, exactly. Know? Right. So, so it's just like, I'm just going to play the hits, you know, and, and, you know, my thing is I really haven't had hits, so I, I don't have that kind of pressure. But um, but I also, you know, I am working on new stories, and I would like to give those an airing. Uh, there's a kind of a one-act, you know, because I wrote Rewired as a novel, and I really didn't write it with the idea of radio play. But So I wrote this kind of a one-act thing that I wrote specifically to be an audio drama. Oh, cool, I, yeah. I, I want to try to do that at some point i'm gonna i'm gonna do the new album first but then after that i want to do that one and then my second book trinity i feel like would also make a good radio play so um that's probably in the cards at some point as well well now you know what it takes and now you know how how hard it is and what a labor it is and you're still willing to do another one huh i was so foolish uh back in 2021 i was like oh i could probably get this done next by next year yeah uh you know, but there's just a lot of stuff that happens and, and also just a lot of bits and pieces that you don't think about. Like it's different than making an album, you know, cause like 
okay, here's this, you know, here's the song. The song lasts what, you know, three to five minutes. Um, you know, it's mostly about capturing moods and, and, and make sure and energy and making sure that you put enough oomph into it. Um, and then everything else is kind of meringue on top of that. But when you're talking about a narrative, um, you know, you're sustaining, you're having to sustain a, a mood and a, uh, I don't know, you're, you're having to engage people for a longer stretch. Yeah. And um, that is not just with words. That's also with sounds. That's also with volume levels and with uh, EQ and, and ways of making things sound novel. There's a There's a thing in pop music where, you know, if something doesn't change every 10 seconds, you're going to lose them. Uh, and so even if it's just, you added a tambourine here or you added a, or you subtracted a guitar line here or whatever, like something has changed every 10 seconds. Constantly changing. Gonna, yeah. Are you going to tune it out? Obviously something like an, like a narrative is different than that, but it's not completely different than that. You know, you still have to have something that kicks in every, every so often to kind of jolt people uh, into some semblance of attention, but which is part of why I didn't want it to just be me reading it. Cause I felt like the opportunity to tune out is so much greater than, yeah. uh, than if you were actually getting, cause one of the things I like about bands like, like being Floyd one is that you have different voices. So you're like, you know, waters is singing one section and then Gilmore singing another section and that change of who's reading it sometimes is enough to kind of uh, uh, change your attention span a little bit. And so like when my voice ends and Levi's kicks in or, you know, uh, Trista's or whoever, when, when it's a different voice that steps in, I feel like it, yeah, it makes it, it, it recaptures your attention a little yeah. bit. If for some reason you started to kind of like, you know, doze off or not doze off, but you know, just kind of yeah, yeah, escape yeah. For, for a second. The voice changes. Oh, back. I'm back. What's, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Cause that's, that's, that's a problem that I sometimes have with audiobooks. you know, it's just like, it can be hypnotic sometimes just the way somebody's reading a story. And, uh, especially if it's a contemplative, you know, type of story, which tends to be the, the kind I like. Um, yeah, you can, <laughs> You your mind can do all these little spinning paths off of it, and then you look around and you go, "Oh hell, I'm, I've, I've missed the last two paragraphs." Yeah, you got to back know? up. I've done that. Yeah, I'm really, <laughs> especially when it comes to reading. It's I'm so bad at that when it comes to reading actual words oh, yeah, on, no. on, on a page than I am listening. No, I skip. I skip all the time, and then I look back and I go, "I think I missed that whole page." Yeah, like, you know, because if it's a good book and, and it's and it's making you think about things, well, well that's all it is. Yeah, you go thinking about things, and you know. And, and it's, and it's one, you know, you could do that with an album because, you know, that's, that's just, that's kind of what it does, but you, you hate to do that with a narrative, uh, cause you don't want to, you, you want to absorb as much of it as you can. Right. And plus people listen to albums over and over and over again. They don't yeah, usually exactly. read a book over and over again. So you no, do, yeah, but, you know, usually you read do. it once, you know, people who have time to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad about that because I really did. I used to spend a lot more time reading, um, but there's just, I'm at this point, and you know, you can probably relate to this. You know, I'm I'm, I'm turning fifty in January, and um, there are uh, time limits <laughs> of me getting stuff done 
that I want to get done, you know, if I'm going to get it done. So, cause as usual, you know, it's like I have this stack of projects that I'm like, Oh, this would be cool. And this would be cool. And this would be cool. And then, yeah, but but I look at it now and, and I go, okay, so I got what, you know, 15, 20 years, you know, before the risk of me really not being around starts you know, raising its head. And, and, uh, and also, who knows what kind of health situations pop up in the midst of all that. So, you know, if I'm going to get it done, I kind of feel like I'm on a timer. Um, so, honestly, things like leisure time reading sometimes are there are things that get cut because uh, I'm like, well, I really need to work on this, you know. And, and uh, yeah, that maybe that's he... a maybe that's a wrong way to go about it, you know. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the wrong way or not, but I would say that sometimes cutting the leisure stuff out just makes the other stuff harder it can where it you know can. what i mean like if you took 30 i'm gonna take 30 minutes every day to read whatever yeah. it, you know and then you actually find that the other projects are easier because you've had that 30 minutes to yourself yes to kind of whatever you know well and i've and I'm, I'm fortunate in that because i do so many different things you know like if i were doing nothing but you know, working on audio dramas and albums and whatnot, it probably would drive me insane, but I'm also playing gigs and I'm also helping Trista with paint classes and, uh, you know, taking the kiddo to, you know, she started writing a bit. So she taking her to writing groups and things like that. And yeah, it varies the, um, no, it's tough, man. <laughs> to find time. Well, but just, well, I mean, it is but, time, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's but tough. it's also, but it also that in, it, it fills the rain gauge a little bit too, though. So, you know, I tried to write a novel when I was in my twenties and I just didn't have enough. There wasn't enough to, to put in it. And, but I found that I waited a few years and the, the rain gauge filled up, you know, and I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And you pour it out and you're like, Oh, okay, there's stuff in here. Um, so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always curious about, you know, we have this myth, in the culture that's like, you know, the, the true artists, like they create their best stuff when they're young, you know, and, you know, in some cases that's true, but I'm more interested in the people, people like Waits or, you know, Peter Gabriel, whatnot, who are still putting out things that are interesting, that are informed by all the stuff they've done before. Mm -hmm. And, um, especially with authors, you know, sometimes an author, can be creative somebody like Vonnegut can be writing great stuff, you know, up until they die, you know, and, and, uh, it's, um, but that has to come from somewhere, you know, uh, you know, Nick Hornby will complain about it, like, Oh yeah, Dickens didn't have to go pick up his kids from daycare, you know, but like, but those experiences they'll go into your work. Right. You know, I mean the, the, the parenting stuff, the day job stuff, you know, all of that gets thrown into the hopper and uh, you know when when you are sometimes you can get to a point where you're so disconnected from that type of thing that you're i feel like sometimes people's writing takes a hit when they become successful um because they're no longer reporting from the ground yeah you know that there was a guy who was talking to waylon jennings one time you know he was like you know you used to write songs about my life and now you're just writing songs about your life <laughs> you mm -hmm, know, because mm -hmm. the more famous Waylon got, the more he was writing songs about being a being a country star, and because uh, that's just what he knew. 
but I think there's some benefit to being on the ground and uh, just being a, a, a regular schlub, you know, doing stuff because you you have the perspective of uh, you got a lot more different types of people you can write about with authority. Um, and that's the interesting part about writing. You know, when I was writing the novel originally, I would create these characters and then I would just kind of let them walk around in my head and see what they did. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, there's, there's a term for that. I think it's discovery writing is what that is because some people write the opposite way They they have it all mapped out and they know what they're all going to do. But to me, I was just kind of like, what's it, what does this guy do if I just let, leave him to his own devices, you know? And, uh, sometimes they did things that were, that I would not have imagined. And, uh, you know, you go, well, that takes the plot into an interesting direction, but let's see what happens. And uh, so, but you don't do that unless you have a, have a lot of different character types to draw from. Cause so many of the characters in there are based on people I've worked with, you know, or people that I've bumped into sure, along in the some way, capacity, yeah. you know, and like, or, or they're a, they're a combo, you know, like a little bit of this guy, a little bit of that guy. And, um, you know, you can't really let them walk around in your brain and, and see what they do unless you have observed it in real life. Um, and I think when you get to the point of, you know, where people recognize you at the airport or whatever, you're, you've lost the ability to to observe <laughs> sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a uh, – it's, it's, not, it's not a problem I have, but um, – I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see where these things go from here because I had such a good time making this one, and the people I've made it with had such a good time that I almost think that it's kind of inevitable that we're going to do something else. You know, uh, you know. Yeah, that'd I would be cool. I would I, absolutely love to have you know Keegan and Mana and all those come out and read some different parts and just see what they did with them. You know. Yeah, I may try to have you back on in in six months whenever this thing wraps up, so we can talk about the yeah. Because like I've, I've listened to the first episode, and I know the yeah. I know the, the second one's out. I'm listening to it yeah, yeah. tomorrow. Um, I, actually, the first one I sat down and just listened to it because I wanted it to sit uninterrupted and just mm-hmm. listen to it, and so I did. But that all 26 won't be done that way, you know. I mean, like you said. It, the thing that the, that's perfect about yeah. it is when I walk the dog, I, I, I usually mm-hmm. walk between 30 and 40 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And so I try to find little shows that are 30 to 40 yeah, minutes. Exactly. And it's exactly that long. It's like, man, it's going to be perfect right. for walking the dog. So like every week I can listen to a show, walk the dog. And that's what I wanted. Yeah. And and I'm no. not too distracted either because it's kind of like sitting alone, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm not, yeah, it's a, I'm not looking at Facebook good, good, or, yeah. or anything like that. I'm not. That's actually the perfect way to listen. I think I think, I think so because I'm just walking, and so I, I'm in that yeah. I can I can listen and really hear it. And um, I used to do it when I was mowing the lawn. When I had a lawn, I used to, to listen to stuff when I was mowing the lawn. Yeah, but you got to crank your headphones I, up so loud. Well, no, because I had one of those. Uh, I had one of those non-motor mowers. Oh uh, right, all right, okay. real mowers. But uh, yeah, because to me that was kind of a space where. I could I could just exist. And mm-hmm. You're just, just mindless, just pushing, pushing, over pushing, pushing, and, and that's 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 what my that's what my data entry stuff is to me. You know, it's like you're just kind of sitting. The the information is flowing in and out, but you're not really thinking about it. Yeah, and uh, I, I I yeah I kind of want to. 
so we had a release party for this thing up at the cicada and i want to do i want to do a rap party too okay uh, when when the when the last one comes yeah. out because i want to see what people you know because because for that release party the thing hadn't come out yet so the only reason anybody came out was because of what they thought it was mm-hmm. uh and so I, i'm curious to see now that they know what it is i, I kind of want to see how the reactions well yeah are. and maybe they're like i want to meet harry yeah exactly because you know right? I mean? yeah, they don't Before even they, know who they that don't know is when, yeah you know and yeah and, or, and even or whatever other characters there's tons of characters i haven't even met yeah. yet you know what i mean I just, and, I even, and even when one. you yeah and even and even though you know harry in episode one uh shit happens to harry and <laughs> so by the time you you meet the harry in episode 26 you know a lot of stuff has changed so yeah you know there's and that's that's of course that's that's a narrative arc but um yeah, you. I've had that with characters sometimes where I've uh, not not mine, but other other characters where I've just gotten so attached, you know, to a particular character. And, yeah. And, uh, oh, for sure. Just kind of, you know, you don't want the thing to end, you know. And but which is this? That's the drive, you know. It's like, oh well, let's just keep making more. But, um, you know, it. it if if that's the reaction people have, uh, then I have done my job. Right. You then know? you did the right thing. You did perfect. Yeah. Exactly. If they yeah if if they want more by the time it's over with, that's that's exactly instead of being like man happened. about eighteen I was good man twenty six <laughs> yeah just, by the know, time like, you hit twenty six I was, uh, I was, I was already, ready for I was, it to be over with yeah I was done with it yeah you don't want any of that no no and I you know it's it's hard to know and there's the style of it is of course you know the way. I write, which is tends to be a little more meditative and, and there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of side quests, you know, in the narration, but, um, but I feel like the people who are going to get it are going to get it. Um, I have a friend of mine, Thomas, who he and I were kind of just born on the same frequency, you know? And so when I have created stuff in the past, that maybe gets a little bit of notice, but not a whole lot. And then I'll get this huge long missive of, from him, just like detailing all the various references that he caught and all. Oh, of that's the, cool. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, yes, okay. You, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about and not everyone's going to get that. Um, but I feel like everyone can at least get some sort of enjoyment out of it. I know the first see. episode went, went by, I think it was 30 or th- 35 minutes and it felt like it was 15 yeah. it went by so fast i was oh, like good. oh that's already good. over i was that, like oh man I can't that works. yeah I was, i'm already can't wait for the second one you know yeah it's good yeah. And, I, and i did want to make it digestible like that and that's the other reason i didn't want it to be like an audiobook type of thing because it was like hours and hours you know to be like no bite-sized you know 30 minute you know you can process it that way yeah once a uh, week you know because and 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 also it's it's as an old person it's reminiscent of you know when you did have to wait for the next one to come out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I remember just, you know, watching, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of, of, uh, serialized dramas, you know, and, and generally. And so there's something about having to wait and, uh, just building up the anticipation in your head, you know, uh, yeah, but you're going to have some people that are going to find this in a couple of years, and they're going to burn through 26 episodes in like oh, three yeah, days, of course, too, because that's but awesome see, as and, well. Well, and what's funny, I've already had people tell me that. They've already been like, you know what, I'm just going to wait until they're all out, and I'm just going to binge it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's fine, too, you know, uh, if you want to do that. 
I don't, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that because I also do that sometimes. Um, so there's, yeah, you'll have to wait till March or so to do that. But <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to wait. I want to listen to every single No. Yeah. Well, and, and, and so some of the folks, you know, uh, there's the option for the folks who want to join on the Patreon because, um, then you get, then you get them a week earlier than everybody. Oh, okay. So, oh, cool. Uh, I've, yes. I've, I can't I've got wait. A number, yeah. I've got a number of people who are on that, who, who have already listened to episode three. So, oh, nice. uh, yeah, it's, a it's kind of an added bonus thing. And, and, uh, I think it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, I've, I've subscribed to that type of thing for some folks, you know, from some artists that I like to, to get advanced content. Um, I hate to use that word. I hate, I hate the word content, but I know it's, it's just uh, what it is these days. I've just going to yeah. do it. I, I have a, gosh, I don't even know what it is. The problem that I have with the word, I think it's that. I feel like sometimes people use it to devalue things um, as like a, a filler, you know, like it's, it's a thing to fill space, but I know that really that's not the way everybody thinks of it. Uh, yeah. It's, just, I, a, it's I, just a term. I think it's just a catch off or it's kind of androgynous because it's yeah, like, it could be music. It, it could be movies. Yeah. Books, it could be whatever. anything. Yeah, poetry. And I think that's why, I think that's why people use it. Because you don't want to have to say, "Oh, well, this guy creates a blog or just this." Because yeah. uh, so many of us now are wearing so many different hats, uh, and really, like the new generations, like the millennials and Zoomers and whatnot, they are mixing and matching all over the place. Because you know, we we used to have a thing like, you know, I remember you kind of def- would define yourself by what type of music you listened to back in the eighties, and it was like, "Oh, well, you you know, are you a?" I'm a new waver. You, are you a new waver? Are you a goth kid? Are you like, what are you, you know? And, but really now a lot of the, the young folk, they don't give a fuck about the, the genre boundaries. You know, they're just like, yeah, this person's an actor and he also has a band and, and he, and he also writes books and you don't, they don't think of it as some kind of transgression. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're, and and it's, it's content, you know, it's, it's stuff that they're making. And and you can't just use the like the big word of just art because it's a little pretentious, but it's also it, for a lot of people it describes visual art uh, more so than than other types. So, yeah, yeah, I, I will eventually get over my irritation at the word content, but at some point, <laughs> well, they can they can find your content, yes, on all the regular content platforms. Yeah, and and thank like- you for the recommendation of Podbean because. Um, that's what I'm using to distribute it to all the various podcast okay, platforms. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's on YouTube, uh, Spotify, iTunes. Yeah. All, all the band camp. pretty much every, every major platform. Podbean. Yeah. And the Bandcamp one is the only one where you can actually, uh, download like it. Cause it's an MP3 everywhere else. But if you want like the full audio quality version, a you file the Bandcamp. Okay. yeah. Cause, cause some of us are audiophiles yeah, yeah. and, uh, like to get the full, meal deal and incidentally even though it's free to download on Bandcamp, um if you do want to throw a couple bucks every th- all the money that i'm making from Bandcamp downloads i'm distributing amongst the cast because oh. i wasn't a- i wasn't able to pay them yeah but i feel like they should get something so that's cool uh if if people have a couple of books check them in the tip jar um that's kind of the way we're running it but but i don't even care like you know we all everybody did it because we wanted to do it and everybody did it because 
it's a chance to show that they can do it. And I feel like a lot of these folks are going to use it in their resume. Uh, and and they say, should. Yeah. They hey, this is a thing I can do. Um, so, and I, I hope it would be fantastic if somebody actually made a good career out of it based on starting from doing yeah, this. That would be cool. I, that, that would make me super happy. But yeah, everybody, if you can go, if you go to uh, rewiredradioplay.com, it takes you to the main page. There's a link tree there that can take you to all the various platforms where you can consume it. Um, but yeah, you can also just go to your podcast um, provider of choice and type in rewired radio play and uh, it will come up uh, thanks to the magic of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's really cool. Um, I'm super. I'm glad. I'm, it makes me happy that you like it because I remember when I was first starting it, you and I were kind of chatting about like sort of the modern practitioners of that type of thing. And, and I was a little intimidated, but you, you uh, helped me to kind of think through some of that. So I appreciate Oh, well, that. good. I'm glad that I could be of any kind of help at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. I've just been listening to a few over the past, like last year, like I said, I, I, I walked the dog mm-hmm. every day. I was looking for some, man, I came across, mm-hmm. I kept seeing this post on my, on my, a Twitter feed about the Paltom porcupines. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> and so I was like, is it like Haltom city? Cause it's Paltom city. And I was like, but it's Paul Tom P A U L T O M. And I was like, I don't understand. So I finally clicked on it in about six mm-hmm. or seven episodes in and was like, this is a, a, a show. So I started listening to it. I'm like, is this real? <laughs> I was like, this cannot right. be real. <laughs> but for the first like minute or two, I was like, is this a real like radio show? Is there really a city called Paltom, Texas? And it's not. <laughs> and it's this little sports radio show that they do for their, their high school football team. Mm-hmm. And it came out last year and every week they talk about the game the, the week prior, you know? And so, Man, like six, seven, eight. I'm into this. Which is this. a cool concept. It's yeah. great. It's just a local small town high school football radio program with. It's got ads in it for the different local places That's around fantastic. town. Oh, yeah. it's great! And I listened, and they came out with another one this year. I'm like, oh, they're back. I'm like, now, especially it, as somebody who, like, I worked at a small town radio station when I was growing up, and uh, yeah, we. Aired all the ball games and yeah. aired all the church services and everything. I'll so, send you yeah. the link to it because you might get a kick. kick yeah, out of you it. should. It's all I'm, Texas I'm humor curious. too because it's all Texas. I'll watch which I can get. I can get with. And I mean, as far as I can tell, I think these boys are in Dallas. They're local. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're local. That's, I know that they're. That I they're think. Local. I think. Yeah, I think if you get enough Texas references, you're like, okay, there's some type of local connection. Yeah, but they're there. Dallas local because there's a sports radio yeah. station here and couple of guys that are on that radio station i've heard them do voice bits in there you can tell i've listened to them for oh, okay, 20 years yeah, i'm like yeah. i'm like this is the guy from the radio i know this guy yeah you yeah know? and so i know that they're somehow associated cool. with like local ticket radio in dallas yeah and, yeah and different things like that and so i don't i don't know the guys or anything but man their show is funny and they had like 13 i think episodes last year and i was hoping they would okay. they would come back because they followed them all the way to to the playoffs and everything um that's cool you know and then this year they come back and they talk about what happened at the end of last year and they're falling into a new f- football season they got a new coach and all this stuff it's just crazy <laughs> man and it's all made it's up a, you know but it's so yeah. fun and uh, it's bo- interesting that's interesting that that's a whole thing yeah uh, one one of the side benefits of doing this has been that i've found uh, some online communities of people who make audio dramas and there's a ton of them there's a lot more than you think you know? Man, there's a whole lot of people. Because in my head, I was like, "Oh, nobody's doing radio shows like this anymore." Well, bullshit. And like, you know, there's there, a whole yeah. dis- there's a Discord server that I'm on. Okay. That um, is all 
all people who create audio drama and people are posting every single day like new episode of this you know we're working on this open casting call for this yeah there's and a there's a group up there it's not a, a four thing i think you're gonna i at least i hope that 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 you get listeners all over the world because people are into oh, this too. kind of thing you know to where i think you know that's what my hope is is that yeah i mean you know it's it's cool if it's just local but um I don't see any reason for it to just be local, you know. No, even the setting it, it starts off in Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. Know. And I and I feel like the fact that it's kind of a road trip, you know, um, and that there's there are characters from different parts of the country, and also just that it's the the, the subject matter, kind of the the dystopian nature of it is something that. Is kind of has some currency right now. Yeah, it feels yeah. like the, that it could happen in the next five years. Yeah, well, which is crazy because I started writing that book in 2007. Yeah, and uh, by the time it came out in 2016, honestly, some of the shit that I was writing about had already happened. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but just in a in a way that's that's different than than they are in the book. But uh, yeah, some of this stuff is really probably not that far off uh, from from now. And um, and some of it, uh, Stefan, when 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 I first put the book out, he kind of posted a big, you know, review of it. And he was like, you know, like all good science fiction, this is not about the future. This is about right now. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, I think so. And I think that's most I think most sci fi authors would say that, that, you know, you know, Star Trek would always do that. You know, they yeah, we're going to take this dilemma from the current era, but we're going to put it in space, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that enables you to think of it a different way because it's not mired in the the various positions that people have, you know, right now. But it's also, you know, it can help you to um, to separate it from your pre-existing you know, notions. Sometimes that's just, that's what's one of the reasons I like science fiction. Yeah. Well, man, I'm excited about it. Like I said, I'm, I'm I'm really excited for the next. Yeah, I'm, six I'm excited months. to hear your feedback. Yeah, and yeah. Let's let's reconvene uh, after episode 26, and and uh, I'm curious to get the uh, the at the what's it called the um, after action report. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. And I want to come out. Yeah, and I hope you'll have like a a wrap up party so I can come out and kind of hobnob with some of the voice actors and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I d- I'm, and yeah, I definitely. Fun. I want to. I want to do a uh, do a rap party. We'll make it work. Yeah, but and I'll be posting about it. I'll be t- 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 telling about it. Yeah, like please lot, do. I got lots of friends yes. that'll, that'll be in. And that's and that's the other thing is like anybody. Sometimes this doesn't always happen, you know. If, if because because a lot of my fans tend to be introverts, um, you know, will go. Oh, well, I really like that, and then just kind of keep it to themselves. <laughs> or you might share it one time. You're like, I'm gonna share this. Yeah, once. you might share it once. Yeah, because yeah, I don't want to bother people with it. But exactly. You know. That's yeah. That's my thing. Yeah. And so, and I'm. That's what makes me the worst promoter in the world. You know, because I'm like, well, I already said it once. Uh, but uh, yeah. So anyone who listens to it, please, you know, let your let your friends and family know about it. Uh, anybody that you feel like would get it, you know, or even if you don't, just just you know, give it a shot. Yeah, it's it free. Shot, see? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't cost you anything. So. Yeah, you know, go for it. So, no, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to hear it. I'm, I appreciate I'm it. Man. That you, I know that you, that I'm very proud. Yeah, I'm proud, and and 
I'm very proud of the people that worked on it with me. I'm very proud that they took a chance and did something that was outside of their comfort zone and just fucking just nailed it. Uh, that that was very gratifying to watch and, and to to be a part of. So that was cool. And then here at the end, I've got the uh, I pulled the trailer off of youtube and so i can Excellent. play it at the end so that yeah because do i don't want to play any of the any of, of yeah, the show because well, i want you to get all the all the numbers and stuff for it you know but I'm absolutely like, oh, cool. he's got a, a trailer which would be perfect so you can kind of hear it a little bit and yeah and I, that's what i tried to do with the trailer just kind of give people an impression of the the feeling the feel of it more so than the, the yeah because it doesn't plot. tell you this is a story about this this and this right so and so who's trying to do this or whatever it's just it's, and that's that's was funny because it's uh, draft one of the trailer was that uh-huh. and and when i did it i showed it to some friends of mine and they were like i don't think this is doing it you know like this is you know this is too much information and not enough emotion and so i redid the trailer and pulled out the information put the emotion and uh, i feel like it works better <laughs> i think so too and it, it really gives you a, a sense of how it's going to sound and feel which i think is important i think i think i think well, that's, right that, that, i think that's, that's what you're saying but it's yeah, you're seeking that, an audio experience yeah and, and so yeah and this, it's this is and if you listen to these kinds of things which i'm not i listen to a ton but i've listened to half a dozen or so yeah, this sounds like the other ones. I don't mean that in a way like it's yeah, yeah, so, no. You know, yeah, what I mean it's, it's it's the quality level. Yeah, I mean totally. It's like this is the real deal. This isn't some yeah guy in a closet trying to do something real quick or whatever. Right. This is a this is a real production. It it yeah. sounds like the real deal. I, and so, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited because that's I I went to a lot of great links to make sure that I I mean I talked to audio engineers like okay what would you use you know for this and and so yeah we got the right gear we got the right but mostly what we got was was the good performances and the and the uh the the feel and and even you know even if you just want to escape for a few minutes every day uh every week that's a it's a good way to do it mm-hmm. great way to do it mm-hmm. dude man this is a, l- a little bit longer than i intended but it's yeah, that's all right it's we always great. yeah i know it's always great when i, when I talk to, when i talk to talk with you it's good yeah good to talk with you man yeah but we need to hang yeah. out soon we should, yeah. We should go grab a beverage or something somewhere. Okay, yeah. Well, you get, and, uh, you got I'll, my I'll number, and I you. got I got yours. I do. All right. Well, so. pre- appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, man. And good luck with all of this. It's, it's, it's yeah. really cool. Oh yeah, I will keep you in the loop. Sounds good, brother. All right. Have a good night. All right, you too. Bye. Funky is what Funky do. Forward's favorite podcast, the Funky Town Podcast. You remember nothing. Dad? 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 They'll come for me, Harry. They'll come for us all. A sense of monstrous guilt was upon the land. Didn't know I could see you, did you? And out of the abysses between the stars swept chill currents that made men shiver in dark and lonely places. I'm sure Michael had his reasons, but I'm going to find out if it was worth the cost. And if it wasn't? Yes. You'll have a lot of time to come up with ways to kill me. Dr. Nyhart. Gabriella. Genius never sleeps, Gabriella. Sloppy Waylon. You know she's watching. We're on the wrong side of this. Well met, my young man. Unlikely as it may sound, my name's Mist, 
That does sound a bit unlikely. Figured it was you, Shadow Man. Come on, you redneck skate punk son of a bitch. Don't make me come over there. He's going to use you to start a war. They'll find her, Harry. You can't make it stop. Dad, come on. We ain't out of this yet. Idiot. You know nothing. You made me, Waylon. Turn him off. Turn the son of a bitch off. Respond. Request respond. Request respond. Request respond. 